And for some of you, I'm that black son-in-law that you never wanted. Lord, forgive me. Uh, <laughs> but no, it's great to be here. I'm telling you, I travel a lots of different places. A little bit about me. I served on staff at a church called LifeChurch.tv in Oklahoma City for about six years. I was a campus pastor there, a multi-site ministry, a lot like the Rock Church. You have like 19 locations. And about three years ago, three and a half years ago, we left and started this consulting company called Next Level Solutions. And now allows the opportunity to go all around the world. And, and we do strategy work with both churches and organizations. So it's lots of fun. I get to meet lots of people. But I just want to tell you guys, of all the pastors that I work with, uh, Pastor Miles is one of my favorite pastors. I mean, you guys are truly blessed to have a great man of God. He's cool. He's the real deal. What you see on stage is what is off stage. And so that's truly a blessing. I look at him like a spiritual father. And so he's just awesome, awesome. So it's just truly an honor and a privilege to be able to share God's word that he's allowed me this platform. And, and we know this, that beside every good man is a great woman. Notice I didn't say behind, beside. Ladies, can I get an amen? Amen. That's right. So besides, so let's give it up to your pastor and first lady. Just give him a hand clap. Rock Church is awesome, making an impact all over the world. I was in Nigeria, one of the pastors there. I was telling him I get the opportunity to work with the Rock Church. He's like, oh, I love Pastor Miles McPherson. Do something, church. They, they, they doing everything. They making a big full, pervasive hope all over. We do that here in Nigeria. So just know that your ministry is not just impacting San Diego. People all around the world are impacted by all that God is doing in and through you guys. And so, again, it's an honor to be able to. You can get that one more hand clap, and then we'll. Again, with, with what I do is I get to travel a lot, so I go all different places and get meet all different types of people. And so I'm always on an airplane. I'll probably fly, I don't know, 100,000 miles on Delta this year alone. So I'm always in different airports, different, meeting different people. And I remember a couple years ago, I was going to Woodruff, South Carolina to preach. And uh, before I was getting ready to preach there, the day before, the senior pastor calls me. He's like, Pastor Scott, I need to let you know something. He's like, well, he said, we had a guy that called us and let us know he was coming to church this weekend. I'm thinking, people call you to let you know? He said, no, 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 no. He just wanted us to know because he was a former Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. I said, well, tell him all we're all white. Make him feel at home. And so, it's all good. Uh, and so lots of stories with traveling. A few weeks ago, I was on a flight that I thought was supposed to be going to L.A., uh, coming to find out that it's flight number 666 going straight to hell. I, I'm telling you because, I, I mean, here's the deal. I love babies. I love babies. But there was a baby in front of me that was trying to break the Guinness Book of World Record of how long you could cry in one sitting. So she cried over and over and over and over. And then there was a kid behind me. I swear he had to be a black belt in karate because he kept kicking the back of my seat. So he's kicking the back of my seat. The baby in front of me is crying. And then I had this sweet little Asian lady that was sitting next to me. And about 20 minutes into her flight, she decided to pull out her lunch for the day which consisted of a dozen hard-boiled eggs, a bag of pickles, and an onion that she ate like an apple. So I'm on this flight, number 666, and the baby's crying, and the kid's kicking my back, and the lady's eating the onion like an apple, and I'm riding the plane. And so finally, I just turned around to the kid behind me. I said, are you a black belt? And he looks at me all crazy. said, if you don't quit kicking the back of my seat, you're going to meet a black belt. You know what I'm saying? I'm like... I will spank somebody else's kid in the name of Jesus. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Y'all read the verse, spare the rod. Y'all know the whole thing. But uh, again, enough about all my crazy travels and stuff. I, again, I'm, I'm honored to be able to share with you guys today. Before we dive into the word, let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. 
Uh, Father, just thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to, to share your word today. God, I pray that the words that come out of my mouth, God, that they're not my words, but that they're your words. God, I pray that your people would receive a fresh revelation today of how your word impacts and speaks to their lives, God. I pray right now that you would encourage them to act, that you would release the giant killers that are in them. God, I pray right now for Pastor Miles. He's taking an opportunity and time for rest, that you replenish, you rejuvenate him, and that he comes back on fire. And I pray in advance for all that you're going to do through the Rock Church, through the new campus that's going to be open in South County. God, use this ministry to impact your kingdom. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, you can go and open them up to 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17. Uh, you can go ahead and say it. Bibles, Bibles, Bibles. That was weak. Pastor Miles hadn't been gone that long. Let's try it again. North County, East County, Bibles, Bibles. Much better. I feel much better now. Um, so I really feel like I am the mailman today here to deliver you a package. And so if you guys would just bear with me as I preach for the next two and a half hours. And so uh, we're, going to, uh, we're going to look at a very familiar story. We're actually going to go through the entire chapter 17. We're going to look at the story of David and Goliath, a story that many of you guys know, many of you guys have heard. As a matter of fact, by a show of hands, some of you guys have heard the story, read the story of David and Goliath, okay? Almost all of you, if you haven't, let me just go ahead and give you, here's a spoiler alert. David wins. So David wins. But here's the thing. What we're going to do is I'm going to go ahead and set the stage for the time we're looking at in Scripture. It's around 1010 B.C. I'm going to give you the players, give you the setting. So here's what you have. You had these two nations that were getting ready to go to war. So you had the good guys, the nation of Israel, and then you had the bad guys, the Philistines. And they were meeting in this valley of Elah. Just to kind of imagine like Qualcomm Stadium. So you have it, but it was in like a big U. And so you had these, this valley of Elah that was down here, but you had these really steep ridges. And what we have to know about that is that they were lined up on these steep ridges. And why that's really important is that whichever army would go first would be at a severe disadvantage. And so they were just lined up on these steep ridges ready to go. There's almost like two kids on a playground getting ready to fight. Like, no, you take the first punch. No, no, you take the first punch. So they're just sitting there just waiting. And so that's what's going on. And then you have, um, and, and, and owning this valley and having this valley was important for, for economic advantages because you had the sycamore trees and you had the grain. But it was also important if you were the one that was in control for national defense. And so you also had this big giant named Goliath. And Goliath stood nine feet, six inches tall. I mean, just to give you some context, Shaquille O'Neal, seven foot one, Goliath, nine foot six. And the tallest giant to ever live during our time was a guy by the name of Robert Waldlow, and he was from Alton, Illinois. They called him the Alton Giant. When he died, he was 8 feet 11 inches. And so Goliath, 9 foot 6, he's a terror. And what he liked to do is he liked to come out every single morning and every single evening and come out and chant these taunts and disrespect to the nation of Israel and to their God. He'd come out and disrespect them. And the reason he came out in the morning and in the evening, because that's the time that the Israelites were praying. So he would come out, he'd disrespect them, and he was just a cherub. That's what he was known for. And then you had Jesse. And Jesse was just this, this, this sharecropper, kind of this dysfunctional family. They had lost everything. As a matter of fact, he, sent his, his, he had eight sons. And his eldest three sons were actually out on the battle lines with King Saul. They were one of the ones lined up on that ridge. And then the youngest son's name was David. And David was around 15 years old at the time, and, and he was a shepherd boy. His responsibility was to, to stay back, no prestige, no anything, and to take care of the sheep. And his other responsibility was to, to scoop the sheep dung. Translation, 
scoop the sheep poop. You know what I'm saying? So that's what he would do. So he's back. He's doing that. The eldest three sons, they're out there on the battle lines. And the oldest son's name was Eliab. And Eliab was kind of like the chosen son. He was the good-looking son. He was the one that was kind of positioning himself to be the next king of Israel. He's the one that kind of fashioned himself after the warriors of that time. And so, but he's also the one that God rejected. And God is able to tell us and teach us that God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. And so that's what's going on. So about this time, Jesse, the dad, says, David, I need you to go take this this roasted corn, this roasted grain, these loaves of bread to your brothers and check on them on the battle lines. And so he gives the the corn to David, and he says, go and check on your brothers. And so track it with me. So David's going. He's got jiffy cornbread in hand. And so he's going. And so he's like, he gets to the battle line. And so he begins to have a conversation with his brothers. I mean, I don't know what the conversation looked like. Probably something like, Hey, fellas, dad told me to bring y'all some food. I just want to see how y'all were doing. Is everything okay? Like, why y'all just sitting around here looking? Like, what's going on? So anyway, so he shows up to the battle lines. And about the time that David gets to the battle lines, that's when Goliath comes out to do his normal disrespect. And I think what's key is this, is the Bible tells us that when Goliath came out that day, that David heard it. I think that's important because here's the deal. You had an entire nation, an army that was lined up, but they said David heard it. It wasn't that the other people didn't hear it, but they didn't hear it because they were scared and they were fearful, but David heard it. And so that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at David's life, and we're going to look at the ways that we can kill some giants. So the title of today's message is Giant Killer. Is giant killer. Matter of fact, I want you to turn to your neighbor, turn to your neighbor and say, I am a giant killer. That was the wrong neighbor. That was the wrong neighbor. That was the wrong neighbor. Turn to your other neighbor, the right neighbor, and say, I am a giant killer. That, see, that neighbor had a smile on their face, didn't they? That was a better neighbor. That was a better neighbor. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at the three ways to kill a giant. We're going to look at the three ways to kill a giant. And here's the deal. If you don't remember anything that I say today, remember this. Giant killers must be willing to act. A-C-T. Giant killers must be willing to act. And if you want to write this down in your lesson plan, the first note is this. If you want to be a giant killer, you must do this. You must acknowledge there is a giant. You must acknowledge that there is a giant. So it brings us down to verse 25, and and David's showing up, and he hears Goliath, and, and the Bible says this, now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. Here's the deal, fellas. If somebody comes out and says, here's the deal, you're going to have great wealth, We're going to give you this hot lady in marriage and no more IRS, no more paying taxes when you go to buy something. How many of you guys would be like, I'm in. I'm at least want to look, listen. I don't care who the giant is. I'm at least going to pay attention. And so David hears this. David looks like, I just want to make sure that I heard what you guys, what you're saying is right. Verse 26, David asked the men standing near him. Now, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? I want everybody to say, who is? is? Come on, you can do better than that. East County, North County, one more time. Everybody say, who is? Who is? Who is 
this uncircumcised Philistine, that he should defy the armies of the living God. And I think, here's the thing, how can we expect to take out a giant that we haven't even acknowledged? And what's important if we look at David's life is that David was acknowledging a giant that wasn't even his. And that's what we're going to have to do sometimes. We're going to have to acknowledge a giant on behalf of a friend, on behalf of a family member, on behalf of a nation, on behalf of another nation. Sometimes that's what we're called to do because every single one of us has giants. Some of them come in something as small as a pill or a prescription drug bottle. Some of them as thin as paper money or the size of a can or a bottle or as wide and as vast as your thoughts and your fears and your inadequacy or, or as, as big as, as your mouth gets when you, when you scream and you're angry. Whatever it is, every single one of us has giants, and we must be willing to acknowledge them. I remember when I first went into full-time ministry, I had to kind of acknowledge a giant early on. I was, I was a guy that had lots of success from a worldly standpoint. I was the youngest prison warden in the country, lots of success, kind of a serial entrepreneur guy. God was just blessing lots of things. But I fell in love with Jesus, and as I began to walk with him, I just wanted to do more. I didn't know what that meant, so I'm like, you know, I guess I'm going into full-time ministry, so left everything behind. And I remember when I went into ministry, like I was a a pastor in training. And so a pastor in training, we're just kind of learning the ropes from another pastor. And I remember one weekend service, my first weekend there, I'd been a pastor for three days. You know what I'm saying? For three days, I'm excited, but I feel a little bit insecure. I don't know what to do. And the guy who was training me that weekend, his name was David Brown. Uh, just real curious, by a show of hands, how many of you guys watched the show, The Biggest Loser? All right, many of you do. So if you remember last season, David was the guy that got second place. The, the girl won. He got second place, had the warrior tattoo on him. So that was the guy that was kind of supervising me that weekend. And I remember after one of the services let out, we're kind of out there hanging out, three-day pastor, you know what I'm saying? I'm excited. And a lady comes out, and she, she said, all I remember was this. She said something about needing prayer, her arm, healing and the doctor that week. And so I remember David said, well, Pastor Scott, let us go to the office so we can pray for her. So I'm thinking, cool, I get an opportunity to watch how the pastor does it. So we go to the office, and he looks at me and says, well, well Pastor Scott, you can, you can go ahead and pray for her. And so I'm thinking, three days. Okay, so anyway, so like, and then he looked at, at the oil that was sitting on the desk, and he said, and there's the oil. I'll be real honest with you. I just, I'm new to this. I remember... Somewhere in the Bible, it says something about they poured oil over Aaron's head. And somewhere in the Bible, I remember something about Samuel pouring oil over David's head. And so, like, I'm a pastor three days. I want to kind of do what the Bible says, right? And so I'm like, I'm sitting here. I'm like, okay, Lord, like, tell me what to do here. And as I got the oil, it was a pretty big bottle of oil. And I'm like, what should I do? She's dressed kind of nice. And so, like, I'm like, eh. So I felt like the Lord said something, let me do something real spiritual. So I just kind of shook it up my finger and made a cross on her forehead and prayed for her. That sounded real spiritual. And I left. I'm like, oh. I go, I'm like, I'm such an idiot. I should have did what the Bible told me to do. And so, like, I'm like, I did what any, you know, well-trained pastor would do if you're trying to figure out you did the right thing. I Googled it. <laughs> so, um, According to Google, I did exactly what I was supposed to do. And, uh, but here's the thing. If I didn't acknowledge that giant of, of inferiority, of insecurity in my life, I would never found myself in a position where I could do the second thing that giant killers do. 
and that's choose to trust God. So the C, if you're taking notes, you can write this one down, is a giant killer. Choose to trust God. Again, young David, he's on the battle lines. He sees everybody there, all of his brothers and everybody there having these conversations with him. And so David's starting to think, like, man, I'm going to take this big, ugly giant out. You know what I'm saying? Who does he think he is coming in here like a wrecking ball? I'm sick of him. He's ugly. He's nine foot six. I'm getting sick of this guy. Who does he think he is? He's like, man, you know what? Your, your boy will fight him. I'll fight him. And so you got to think, his brother's looking at him like, David, come on, you're so conceited. What are you doing out here? You just want to come out here to be nosy anyway. Why are you? And then, and then everybody's like, come on, David, there's no way you can do this. And King Saul was even like, David, here's the deal. I understand, I appreciate, you know, your fire and your passion, but there's no way you can fight this guy. There's no way you can fight this guy. Here's what the Bible says in verse 33. Here's what Saul said to David. It's King Saul talking to young David, the shepherd boy. You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, this is what David said, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came out and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, I struck it, and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. I think what's important about living God, in other words, a God that was very alive and active in David's life right then, a God that's very alive and active in every single one of our lives, the armies of the living God. Everybody say the Lord. The Lord. Come on, one more time. Everybody say the Lord. The Lord. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. You know, I didn't put this in your notes and it won't be on the screen because the Bible says this, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. But the very last line in verse 37, here's what Saul says. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. That's what God is saying to each and every one of you today. He's saying go. He's saying go. Whatever it is you're facing, he's saying go and the Lord be with you. That's what we have to understand. David recognized that God had delivered him in the past from, from the lion and from the bear, and so he chose to trust God. He remembered a, a different situation, and what we have to understand is this, is that victory is always found on the other side of faith. Your victory is on the other side of your faith, and that's what David's life is showing us, is that if you want to experience that victory in your life, know that it's on the other side of your faith. I see it all the time. I see how it's played out all the time. And I was telling you guys earlier that, that I travel a lot and I take my family with me. Uh, most of the time, they kind of cherry-pick the good trips. They love San Diego. They love Florida. And then, you know, as a matter of fact, and then earlier in the year, we decided to go Star Trek a place a black man has never gone before. We decided to go skiing with like snow. 
And so anyway, we're going to the Pocono Mountains. And so my wife was getting us ready for skiing. And so she was going to make sure that we were ready. We had like six or seven pants on. We had three or four socks on. We had two pairs of gloves, hand warmers. We had stocking caps, plural. We had this shield thing over our face. We had a thing over our mouth. And I remember we go up to the counter so I can pay for the skiing for the day. And I'm talking to the lady. I'm trying to talk to the lady. And she looks at me. She says, where are y'all going? To the North Pole? Yes, as a matter of fact, we are, and we have arrived. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, so we go, so we pay for the skiing, and then the first thing you do is you go through skiing lessons. And so we went through skiing lessons. At the time, my oldest son was 14 years old. His name was Wesley, and so Wesley was kind of the best in skiing lessons, and so I was kind of the worst. I'm just keeping it 100. And so anyway, like I'm going, and so we do the skiing lessons, and, and then when we finish skiing lessons, it's time for us to go to the slope and go skiing. And so as we're getting ready to go, uh, my my youngest son, Jade, and my wife, LaKendra, they kind of go out ahead of us, and they're going, they're going up to the slope, and then Wesley is stopping, and like, what's up, son? He's like, I can't do it. I'm like, son, what do you mean? You're fine. You were the best during the He's like, dad, I can't do it. And so my rest of my family is gone, and so he's saying, I can't do it. And so finally, I just pulled up my goggles, and I said, son, you can do this. Trust me. He looks at me pull my goggles down. Next thing you know, he kind of starts scooting or skiing towards the, the, the lift. And, and I'll be honest with you, I was a little reluctant and nervous about going on myself. And as I begin to see him make his way towards the lift, his faith began to increase my faith. And how many of you guys know that's what happens sometimes in our life? It needs somebody else's faith to increase our faith. We see somebody that steps out in faith and they start that business. We see somebody that takes a risk. We see somebody that applies for that promotion. We see somebody that, man, they should be beat up because of the disease that they have in their body. They say, you know what? I choose to trust God. And so our faith and other people's faith can begin to increase one another's faith. And so as we, we went up the lift, and I'm behind him, and, and so Wesley, he, he goes down, and, and I'm coming down. And to be honest with you, I, I fall throughout my little skiing down. And here's what I learned about skiing is that it takes a really long time to get up. But if you make the decision to get up, then everything is a little bit smoother sailing down. And so that's what you need to know about life. You may fall down, but as long as you make the decision and you choose to get back up, things are going to be okay. So I finally made my way down the hill. And I get to the bottom, and I'm looking for Wesley. I don't find Wesley. I don't find Jaden. I don't find LaKendria. So I'm just sitting there looking. And by that time, I see LaKendria and Jade. I'm like, well, where's Wesley? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I said, well, let me go to the locker room. He's probably in there checking his skis in. He's probably done. And so before we left, I was kind of looking, and, and we're watching people skiing down, and we saw somebody coming down the slopes that kind of looked like they were from the North Pole. <laughs> but the only thing was is this person was kind of doing like this back and forth, bobbing and weaving thing like they were from X Games. And then they come and do this whole, like, stop. And we looked, and it was Wesley. And I'm thinking, son, what are you, what are you doing? What happened? He said, well, Dad, you you told me to trust you. And he said, I got on a lift. I prayed on my way up. He said, I've been down four times since then. I'm ready to go snowboarding. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And he was ready to go snowboarding because that's what we had to understand. Once we attack one giant, we're going to get the faith. Our faith is going to get increased, and we're going to be ready for the next giant. And here's the deal. My son decided to take that step because his dad said trust him. I want you to think right now, your heavenly father, he's lifting up his heavenly goggles and he's looking at his sons and daughters 
And he's saying, trust me. Will you choose to trust me? I want every single one of you to think of a time when you know that the only way you got out of that situation, the only way you got out of that accident, the only way your body was healed, the only way you got out of that life of sin, the only way you're not in jail, the only reason this didn't happen to your family because you know without a shadow of a doubt it was God. Everybody think of that situation right now. We all have them. We all have them. Here's the deal. We've all been eyewitness to God's witness. And that's what we have to understand. I want you to think about that because here's the deal. You're going to have the naysayers and that little voice inside your head that's going to say that God can't. And whenever that little voice starts to speak in your ear, when they say you can or God can, I want you to remember that time when God did. And so whatever it is that you're facing, you have to choose to trust God. When you choose to trust God, that's when you will see some amazing things happen in your life. Because God was, God is, and God always will be. I mean, some of you, maybe your, your giant is fear and inadequacy, or maybe it's debt and you find yourself in debt up to your, to your forehead, or maybe it's relationships and you keep trying to fill this void with all these different relationships, or maybe it's a lifestyle of sin or it's addiction, whatever it is that you're facing, or maybe it's workaholism and you're putting all your trust in your work, then you are spending time with your family, whatever it is, you have to make the decision to choose to trust God. And it may be hard sometimes. I mean, some of you couples that are in here, that North County and East County online, you've been trying to get pregnant. Some of you day after day, week after week, month after month, and many of you year after year, but yet no pregnancy. You still have to make the decision to choose to trust God. I mean, that's a situation with a couple in Oklahoma City that I'd been praying for, and it wasn't too long ago that the husband had sent me a text. They'd been trying to conceive. And here's what he said. He said, hey, Scott, I hope you're doing well. He said, I wanted to share something with you since I know you've been praying. We haven't told anyone this yet, but this time last year, doctors said we would never, 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 ever conceive. Well, we just found out that we're five weeks pregnant. God is so faithful. He decrees and the world has to agree. What was unique about this couple is that they believed. Every single time that I talked to them, they believed. And that's what you have to understand. So oftentimes we listen to the naysayers and the people that are talking noise and the people that are saying, what, what are you doing? What are you thinking about? There's no way. There's no way you can experience healing or whatever it is. Here's the deal. We have to stop overvaluing what people think and start valuing what God thinks because God says that he will. I mean, think about it. Nothing is impossible with God. As a matter of fact, if you look at the word impossible and you put a little space in it, it simply says, I'm possible. That's what we got to understand is that everything is possible with God. You have to choose to trust God. And the last thing, if you're taking notes, you can go ahead and write this one down in your notes, is you must be willing to take a stand. And that's the T. You must be willing to take a stand. But here's the thing. Your faith is important. God wants your faith. God is not moved by the size of your giants. God is moved by the size of your faith. 
And when you get that size of your faith is increased, then you're willing to take a stand. And that's what's going on with David. I mean, David is at the battle lines and he's saying, you know what, I'm willing to take a stand. I'm willing to fight this ugly, crazy dude. And everybody's looking and saying, David, you're nuts. What are you thinking about? There's no way that you can fight this guy. And, and David's saying, listen, I'm going to take this guy out. They're thinking, David, you should be scared right now. Don't you see us shaking? And David's like, I'm not scared. David's like, I'm too blessed to be stressed. And that's what you need to know is that you're too blessed to be stressed. And so David is sitting there. Everybody's saying, there's no way you can take this guy out. And David said, I'm going to take him out. And so Saul said, well, David, let me go ahead and prepare you. So what did Saul do? He took off his armor. And he says, I'm going to take my armor. I'm going to put it on you, David. Young shepherd boy, if you're going to do this, I'm going to make sure that you're ready. But David did what? He took off the armor and said, no, I'm not going to wear this. This armor, I'm going to use just what God has given me. And so David goes to the battle lines and he's ready, and Goliath is there. And Goliath is looking at him like, Really? You send this little boy with, with sticks and dogs? And, and David is saying, I'm going to go with just what God has given me. And the only thing that God had given him was this He'd given him a sling. It looked a lot like this. And he had been pretty experienced with, with using his sling. He'd given him a sling. Looked a little something like this. And then and he says, you know, I know how to use this sling. Forget this armor. I know how to use this sling. And so he says, I have the sling. And then, and then the Bible says this. It says he goes over to the stream. And the Bible says that he went to the stream and that he, that he pulled out five smooth stones. And so he gets five smooth stones out of the stream. And then he puts them in his shepherd's bag. But the, and the, but the one thing, that if you, if you read further and if you do further research about what is the reason that David grabbed these five stones, I mean, think about what is the reason that he got these five stones. Here's what we must understand, that if you do a little more research, Goliath had four other relatives that were also giants. And in ancient times, they had something that was called blood revenge. And so if you take out a family member or a friend, then their family member is going to come retaliate and get you. So David was saying, here's the deal. Not only am I going to take you out, but I'm ready for your four ugly relatives that's going to try to show their heads. And that's what you need to know is once you face that giant of pornography, know that another giant is going to stick his head out. And you got to be ready. You got to stay in this position called ready. And that's what David is showing us. He's ready. And so Goliath is showing up. Goliath is ready. Goliath is ready for battle. And David says, oh, no, get ready, ready. And so David is ready. He's like, really? This little boy? Come on. What are you thinking? And David's saying, you don't know this, but I'm a giant killer. As a matter of fact, I want everybody to say, say, I am a giant killer. One more time, say, I am a giant killer. You can do better than that, East County, North County. Everybody say, I am a giant killer. This time, say it really, really loud. Say, I am a giant killer. This is your last time. I want you to say it loud like you really mean it. Say, I am a giant killer. Now I hear you. In, in, in what they have in marketing, they have something that's called the rule of seven. The rule of seven is this. You need to see something seven times, hear something seven times before you begin to believe it and to receive it and pay attention to it. And so you said it two times early when you said it to your neighbor. You said it five times then. So now you begin to believe it. You begin to hear it. You begin to receive it. That you know what? That you are a giant killer. And that's what David is saying. David's saying, I'm ready. So here's what the Bible says that David did in, in verse uh, 48. It says the Philistine moved closer to attack him. It says David ran quickly toward the battle line. Notice that he didn't wait. You got to be proactive when you're going to go battle your giants. It says reaching into his shepherd bag. He says taking out a stone. It says he took it and slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. It says the stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. 
And I think that's really important. It says that, that he hit him in his forehead. And it says the stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So it tells us this. It says that David triumphed over the Philistine with simply this. With a sling and a stone. And without a sword in his hand. He struck down the Philistine and killed him. But notice he didn't stop there. It says David ran over and stood over him. And he took a hold of the Philistine's sword. And he drew it from the sheath. And after he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. In other words, here's the deal. Once you, once you take out your giant, you got to make sure that, that they are gone. So David says, I'm going to take you out. So he took his giant out. And that's what, that's what you got to do. You got to be willing to take out your giant. So he took out his giant and he made a statement. He made a statement by taking the sword and cutting off his head and grabbing a hold of his head. And then what he did was this. He took a selfie and said, hashtag giant killer. Some of you think that you're just putting down the bottle. But no, what you're doing is you're setting generations free from alcoholism. Some of you thinking you're just showing some courage and belief that you can step out in faith and, and become an entrepreneur. But no, you're, you're inspiring generations of entrepreneurs. Some of you think that you're just being bold and you're saying, you know what, I'm going to beat and defeat cancer. But no, you're a living testimony that cancer can be defeated. Some of you think that I'm, I'm believing God for a baby, but you need to know that you're going to be a living testimony that conception is possible, that everything is possible with God. Here's the thing. Some of you think you are just doing this. David thought he was just maybe getting a, a wife or some riches, but God did exceedingly abundantly more than he could ask, think, or imagine and made him the king of all of Israel. And that's what you need to know is that God is going to do more than you could ask, think, or imagine in your life. But you must be willing to take a stand. So here at Point Loma, North County, East County, our microsites and online, here in a few moments you have the opportunity to take a stand. And you're just going to take a stand to say, you know what, I am a giant killer. I'm going to walk out these doors and those giants better get ready, whatever that giant is, whether it's fear. Some of you are going to be standing up on behalf of somebody else. So if you're here and you say, you know what, I am a giant killer, I want to take a stand. And Pastor Scott, I want you just to pray for me as I stand up at all of our campuses and right here. I want you to take a stand right now and say, I am a giant killer. Because every single one of us has giants. Stand up right now. I just want to pray over you. You say, you know what, I'm a giant killer. I'm willing to face my giant because all of us have giants. All of us have giants. Just take a stand. Just take a stand. You're going to walk out of here. Things are going to be different because you're standing up. Things are going to be different. Here's the deal. Some of your giants, you know what it is? It's pride. And it's going to leave you in your seat, and you're going to walk out these doors. You're going to keep getting toe up from the flow up. And the others of you, you know, you're going to be here. You're going to be ready. You're going to step out these doors in a position called ready, and you're going to take out your giants. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to pray as God releases all of his giant killers that are in this room. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your sons and daughters that are praying right now. God, I pray that you stir up inside them, God, that you give them this, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength type courage. God, I see right now chains of addiction being broken right now. God, I see generations being changed. God, I see high schools being different. God, I see in college campuses that revolutions are happening. God, I see people that are being different. I see people standing up to their bosses. I see people being in relationships that are meaningful. God, I see 
see families that are being changed, God. Use your giant killers, God. Let them walk out these doors today with a sense of boldness and confidence. Still praying with heads still bowed and eyes still closed. I'm going to be real honest with you. There's no way you can go out and slay these giants if you hadn't truly surrendered your life to Jesus. And here in a few moments, you're going to have the opportunity to do that. You're going to have the opportunity to step across that spiritual line and invite Jesus to come into your life to be your Lord, to be your Savior. You're going to have that, that helmet. You're going to have that salvation is going to be on you. You're going to go out these doors prepared. Because here's what I know. Many people are going to miss heaven by 12 inches because they have a head knowledge. They've read it. They've heard it, but they don't have a heart acceptance. And that's the, that's the story for many of you today. You've never truly surrendered your life to Jesus. So right here at Point Loma, at North County, East County, those of you online, if you want to say, today's the day I want to step across that spiritual line, invite Jesus to come into my life, to be my Lord, to be my Savior, and to wash my sins away. If that's you and that's your prayer, raise your hand high right now. Just raise it up high. All over this auditorium, raise it up high. Raise it up high. Now, those of you that have your hands raised, I want you to start coming down right now. Come down right now. All of you, there's hands raised all over. Start coming down right now. Coming down right now. Coming down right now. Don't let the enemy talk you out. Coming down, I see you. Welcome to the family of God. God bless you. Welcome to the family of God. God bless you, sister. Others of you, Come on down. Come on down. Come on down. I see you, sir. Others of you. Come on down, sir. God bless you. Welcome to the family of God. God bless you. Welcome to the family of God. We'll be patient. I see you coming out of the balcony. Come on down. God bless you, sir. Generations are going to be changed because of the decisions you're making. God bless you, ma'am. Welcome to the family of God. Others of you. Young lady, I see you. Welcome to the family of God. Others of you. Others of you. God bless you. God bless you. Welcome to the family of God. God bless you. Others of you. Come on down. We'll make room right here. Others of you. Come on down. Come on down. Run on down here. God bless you. Welcome to the family of God. Others of you. Coming down the aisles. I see you. God bless you. Others of you. Keep clapping. Keep clapping. Keep clapping. Keep clapping. Wipe those tears away, ma'am. Keep clapping. Wipe those tears away. God bless you. Come on down. Come on down. Others of you, come on down. We'll be patient. That's why this church exists. Wipe those tears away, ma'am. Your life will never be the same. God bless you, young man. God bless you. Others of you, others of you, others of you. Keep clapping, others of you. All right, Rock Church. Here's what we get the opportunity to do. There's some church that will go an entire year, and what just happened right now won't happen. Let's not take this for granted. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray this prayer out loud together as a church family. And then at the end, we're going to celebrate the life change that's happening right now. I'm telling you, generations are going to be changed. You're going to walk out these doors with a smile on your face today. And, get, and you're saying, get ready. Tell your giants to get ready. Life will never be the same. So I want every single person to repeat this prayer after me saying, all of you and you guys included, repeat this prayer after me saying, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, who died on the cross for my sins. Today I choose to make Jesus my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Change me and make me brand new. In Jesus' name I pray. Come on, Rock Church, let's give it up for lives that have been changed forever. Awesome. Awesome. If you guys would, if you would go with the folks right there, they'll take your room. We just want to be able to pray for you and let you know what the what's next steps are. God bless you guys. Let's clap them as you guys go off. Go right here with this young lady right here. God bless you. 
God bless you guys. God, God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. God bless you, young lady. Bless you, ma'am. God bless you. God bless you. Clap them off, Rock Church. That's why your church exists. It's to see people come through these doors one way and their lives radically change forever. So, man, it's been an honor and privilege to be able to share God's word with you guys today. If you guys would hang tight and Pastor George will dismiss you guys. God bless. Family, we've got two more things we want to do, and then we'll dismiss you. Uh, first is, want to make you aware of an opportunity. You know we're a military town here in San Diego. We're blessed to have the military community here defending us, protecting our freedom. And they make a lot of sacrifices so we can live in freedom. So we have a, a special outreach going on on August 23rd called Boots Off, where we want to give back to our military community. We want to bless them, uh, things, especially things like school supplies for their kids as they're sending their kids back to school, backpacks, pens, pencils, all that kind of stuff. And so if you want to come and be a part of that and just say to our military community, thank you, we love you, we appreciate you. Uh, visit the booth out in the lobby about how you can be involved in that or go on our webpage, sdrock.com forward slash thank you and all the information is there about how on August 23rd we can really be a blessing to our military community. Amen. And then lastly, it's our time to, to give of our tithes and offerings to the Lord this morning. We want to